Oh, hey, you made it. We weren't sure anyone was able to get the broadcast. We found this huge vault full of cool things from before the event. Yeah, do you want to come check it out? Okay, I'm back. Uh, I'm just off work, so my energy's a little low, but I'm 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 willing to absorb some of your residual high energy. Oh, I can do that. Welcome to the Don't Go Outside podcast, where we've got our man, Mr. Patrick Vault Dweller. Now, today we're going to be talking about Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, Disco Elysium, Justice League Snyder Cut, Superman Red Sun, one of my favourite comic books, and we're going to finish off with a big old topic of Jet Lancer, an homage to old school shoot 'em ups and a remake of the mechanics we first saw in Luftfrausers. You feeling good, Patch? Ready to chat? Yeah, you just dove right into it. I th- no, no pre. We thought we were going to have a wee bit of preamble, you know, just just to have a little chit chat. But no, we're we're right in there. Well, that's it, man. I've cracked open a cold one, got a nice glass of water, and um, feeling feeling funky, fresh, feeling fly, ready to talk about all of the things on the docket. Cool. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Well, then, welcome everybody. It's uh, time for some don't go outside. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One and Two remake has been announced, uh, and I'm pretty excited about that, man. That's uh, that just kind of came out out of nowhere. I now I never played the Pro Skater One and Two. I did play uh, Tony Hawk Underground. I was a big fan of that. That was a really good one. That, in my opinion, that was the last good one before this. Before the uh, the franchise kind of went down the down the plug hole, but uh, yeah, Tony Hawk's Underground was really really good. Could create your own wee guy, go on a little skateboarding adventure. I remember uh, no, this being, is being very fun, and you had to do. There was there was quite a lot of humorous Easter eggs, and it really like paid homage to that sort of like nineties mall rat skater culture. Um, I think it did it well, you know. Um, I think it was a good game. So talk me through the the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater extended universe chronologically. What what, what did we start with? Where did we end up? Uh, well, I kind of started with Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1. Uh, it came out on, I guess, the PlayStation 1 uh, back back in the back in the back in the good times before the before the <laughs> before the end times took us all uh, the turn of the century. Uh, there was a little game. Uh, there was a little guy called uh, Tony Hawk, and he was a pro skater, and he teamed up with uh, with NeverSoft, uh, which are now part of just the massive media monster that is Activision, uh, to make uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. And uh, this game was responsible for uh, an entire uh, generation's music taste. It's responsible for being for skateboarding being as popular as it is these days, because uh, from what I recall, people weren't really into skateboarding until this game came out, and then all of a sudden it blew up, and all these all of Tony Hawk's wee mates that he'd you know arranged to get put in the game were all of us overnight you know sports celebrities. It's crazy. Um, so it's really had a lasting legacy. This game, a uh, really well-designed, uh, fun, arcade skateboarding gameplay with uh, a 
kick-ass punk, ska punk, uh, a wee bit of metal and hip-hop soundtrack. Um, that's all coming back to the new game. All the original skaters are coming back to the to the remake, and they're all going to be putting the game at their current age. Oh, so they're not going to be like so 18, good. <laughs> 19-year-old kids. They're going to be like late 40s uh, skate, skate dads. Skate uh, which is fun. I follow a few of them on Instagram actually, and they they've all been they're all super excited about the project. Whether or not that's like sponsored post uh, energy, or whether it's just like no, this is this is really good shit. Well, uh, you know, it doesn't matter really. I don't really care about that. Um, I'm just I'm looking forward to this coming out. Uh, kind of near the end of this console generation, I suppose. Uh, PlayStation Four and Xbox. Uh, Series X due to release at the end of the year. A nice little nightcap to the to the PlayStation Four, you know. Yeah, I get you, and I, I mean, just to just to jump back to the cultural importance of of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, because I imagine that the the reason these ga- um, these games were made was because there was a demand for for skateboarding. Certainly, uh, I imagine in in the continental United States, but. More certainly in Europe. Um, I mean, skateboarding. Yeah, it just wasn't a thing. I mean, yeah, we saw Bart Simpson do it, but it wasn't really cool. And then, <laughs> yeah, very underground counterculture stuff. I remember as soon as these games came out, yeah, skateboarding was everywhere. People were smashing out fingerboards at school. There was skateboarding <laughs> bands. Yeah, um, yeah, man. Uh, like totally, totally. I, I, I it's, a, it's a cultural landmark of nineties culture. Mm. 90s development but I think mechanically there's an interesting point to be made as well Um, because I think that it's the first game certainly that I can remember that did sort of snap on mechanics well so um, I guess I guess this is the sort of thing in game where it'd be you go to grind on a rail for example oh yeah and there's actually quite a fuzzy amount of space so you don't need to pixel perfect hit the rail um, there was there was like fuzzy space, so you, if you hit near the rail, it would snap on and and put you into a grind. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that was really part of its success because it really hit on that that fantasy of yeah, I'm a kick-ass skater um, by allowing that sort of level of basically you to make a mistake. And and before that in games, like I just remember generally being sort of like you know. Um, pick pixel perfect hit hit scanned enemies, um, you know, um, very precision and very little margin for error. And I wonder yeah. if if this is the this is where that mechanic was popularized. So with slight auto aim and games, you know that that kind of like snap on mechanics in general. I'm not sure what the term would be for them. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that before. That's an interesting uh, interesting hypothesis. Uh, Master Robin from what I can remember what I've read about the series in the past there were one or two skateboarding games that didn't quite capture the they were maybe too technical for their time because mm-hmm. I know um, Skate like the uh, that what came out I think around the Xbox 360 sort of took over from Tony Hawk's Pro Skater and that was a more technical kind of game where you could use uh, both analog sticks to control both feet when you were doing tricks, and people really latched on to that aspect of being really technical and precise with their movements. I think before Tony Hawk's Pro Skater came along, there wasn't uh, there wasn't the technology to allow 
for that kind of system to be successful. So I think you're right. The simplicity of it was just kind of genius, really. And it came out of nowhere, and uh, the franchise exploded, really. Yeah. And this is a nice little homage to the to the good old days when uh, you had to, where you had couldn't sit more than two feet away from your television. Oh man! You know, no wireless controllers. Sitting in a sitting in an inflatable chair. You know those inflatable armchairs. Oh, do you remember those from Argos for sixteen pounds? I believe. Oh, yeah, you got man. Limp Biscuit on. You got your new rocks. <laughs> I never <laughs> had with new your rocks. Bank. I, I never had new rocks either. I wasn't that ridiculous. But um, uh, I did have long hair uh, and a pirate belt. Um, we all had long hair and pirate. Yeah. Belt. I had a black and white scar belt. That was oh, like, nice. That. I I wonder because you know how every, everyone talks about well, all people who are becoming old talk about this uh, the idea that you know um cultures and trends are quite cyclical and yes. there are some 90s things that are coming back like you know you know there's like uh, plastic flexi chokers that kind of stuff you know it's, i see like hints hints of uh, 90s aesthetic coming back so i wonder if this is going to ride that wave and uh, get get a whole new generation interested in uh, being a sweaty skater <laughs> exactly uh, well it's a it's the common theory the 20 year cycle of uh, kind of nostalgia trends uh it's kind of why stranger things was so big a few years ago uh, and um and like in the 80s stand by me and back to the future were really huge because and it as well they harken back to the 50s and even back in the like 70s and 80s like happy days harken back to the 50s as well so it's it's a 20 year cyclical nostalgia uh trip really so mm. yeah i think we're due for a bit of a 90s uh 90s revival but um all right anyways yeah i'm looking forward to um t- to this i got my nintendo 64 back dug out of my parents attic so um that's kind of made me nostalgic for some old stuff as well hmm it'd be, it'd be good what games have you got dug out with it so i'd managed to tuck away uh super mario 64 Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time I've got Donkey Kong 64 Conker's Bad Fur Day um, Think 1080 Snowboarding So look out for me talking about them In the next couple episodes Is, is this the next uh, patchy push? <laughs> yeah Dig um, out your old N64s um, <laughs> I've ordered, I had to order a little uh, A little MacGuffin Off of, uh, off of Amazon which allows me to play a Nintendo on a modern television. Oh, I know uh, the MacGuffin well. I know it well. Yeah, it's a SCART cable that hooks up to an HDMI cable. Uh, so, yeah, it's coming the next couple of days. I'm pretty excited. Um, you know, not that I don't have a whole backlog of modern games to play. I just, um, my folks have been doing some clearing out. And they were like, we found your Nintendo. And I was like, bring it over. Bring it over here. Socially distance that thing right towards my front door <laughs> right towards my front door yeah, yeah man so it's, it's pretty i'm pretty pretty psyched so look out maybe or maybe a retro gaming review uh I, might be in on the cards i'm up for that um i'm seeing your little note in the docket if i wonder if starman st- starman <laughs> i wonder Star- if Spider- what David Bowie. starman I wonder if Spider-Man and Darth Maul will make an appearance, because this is something I distinctly remember. Certainly the Darth Maul cameo, when you could unlock mm. Darth Maul as a skater. 
Um, I hope this does happen, but I think what I would like to see more in games is this trend that was, again, in the 90s of, like, the secret unlockable that you got at the end of the game. You know, it wasn't achievement-based. You didn't have to make 8,000 kills on a little counter, you know? You just had to do something at the end, complete the game, or do something obscure that was completely... Or, like, finding tapes around the levels, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. I I just, I love that kind of stuff. I really like that. And um, it just didn't make any sense for them to be in the game either. It wasn't like... Well, for Darth Maul, I suppose, Phantom Menace was coming out, but mm. Spider-Man was just in it randomly. Um, which was... And then just all the random characters like you could unlock. Uh, like, I think there was like a genie or something, and uh, this, like a devil. Um, it was cool. And yeah, I don't know. I Knowing Activision for the... Uh, for the bad boys they are now uh i reckon they might try and microtransaction all that stuff up the wazoo um well, obviously I but then it'll... again mm-hmm. i don't know if they have the rights for characters like spider-man and darth maul anymore you know like how authentic are these are the game's aesthetics going to be if they no longer have the rights for spider-man stuff mm. you know well to be honest knowing activision i suspect it'll be Pay five hundred skate bucks to unlock Beige Man, um, Beige Man. for another five hundred skate bucks. You can get a red belt for Beige Man, um, and it'll be the most neutered, uncreative piece of stale porridge. Palette swaps. Aye, I think is what they call it palette swaps um but you know let, let's uh, let's hold out hope maybe 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 it'll be all right I, I mean i'm 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 very keen to remain optimistic about this release because uh, i'm excited um i'd like them to come come out with the um uh customizable uh like create your own skater because that was something i spent endless hours on and i think it was uh <clears throat> maybe not until i don't think it was until three where you could create your own skater you know uh, but I'd like to do that because I spent ages creating just like the thirteen-year-old Patrick's like ideal <laughs> cool guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, is, which uh, if I could find, if I could get hold of some save files from you know in the early two thousands, I'd be very intrigued to to know what I thought was cool. You know, <laughs> like flame tattoos were a big thing. <laughs> Spoiler you know? alert, mate! It won't be cool. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, create your own levels though that's coming out that'll oh, be yeah. fun to see what people uh, come out with you know that that will be cool because not actually it's something that's re- a really good thing about the just how wide the gaming community is now you know there will mm. be a, commu- a strong community of people who are like w- our lives are making maps for, <laughs> for Tony Hawk's Pro Skater and they're going to be really good at it I hope so. I hope I hope uh, they put a lot of support into that system because that's the kind of thing that helped uh, Super Mario Maker blow up so heavily was the fact that you could share levels that you'd made and like YouTubers would run that would try and speed run them and complete them. And I think if they put something in place where you could easily, like the key is easily sharing your levels, you know, and having a little roster of things that you can go through to be like, oh, today I'm going to play through these three levels that these guys have made and see what wacky stuff they can come out with, you know? Mm. I'm glad you made the the Super Mario Maker comparison because it, it was, that thought was buzzing around my head. But yeah, if they could integrate a system similar to that, 
it would just be incredible because Mario Maker just has it so right. They've done community integration perfectly. Um, and more games should just take notes from it. It's just done well. I agree. I think I'm gonna really just become a become a beatnik, live on the road. Please like imagine the road warrior, but it's like on the road warrior. But yeah, imagine you're Jack Kerouac on the road warrior. Oh, I think that's yours, man. That's all yours. You take that. Uh, okay. I'm just a blood bag attached to the front of a of an old Ford Mustang sailing through the desert, sand in my eyes, my eyes on the prize, never stopping to wonder whether the loss of blood will keep me alive or the or the lack of blood will keep my slave owner keeping going one more day, feeding me beyond the pale the pale skin of my lack of blood and the lack of blood within the world has now gone and now we are all just husks husks living in a ru- in a world of rust <laughs> Click, oh cl- clicking God. applause <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's the kind of thing I'm getting into these days I'm going to start a new podcast called uh, um, beat, beat Poetry from the Post-Apocalypse you know I mean, please don't. Okay. <laughs> you know what? That was that was a good old trip down memory lane. Yeah, it was a lot of trip fun. Down memory lane. Um, uh, I'm, I'm really glad. Speaking you... of memory, yes. So, well, you. What was your segue? What were you gonna say? I was just. I was gonna do a bit of follow up. Actually, I was gonna be like, you oh, know what? excellent. We smashed in with our first topic. Let's do a bit. Let's 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 pump those brakes a little bit and do a little bit of a. A little bit of a follow-up on uh, previous episodes. So, have you got any uh, any follow-up? You got any uh, criticisms, retractions on previous episodes? Um. Oh yes, actually, one thing I did think of. Third episode in a row, I'm going to bring up uh, Assassin's Creed. <laughs> I wasn't going to do it, but I knew, I knew it. <laughs> but it's just a very quick thing. Last episode, we were talking about Assassin's Creed set in the Cold War, where the East and West might have to, you know, work with each other to bring down a greater enemy. Uh, I rewatched the film um, The Man from Uncle, uh, the Guy Ritchie movie from a couple of years ago, and I just want to give a quick shout out to that movie because that is pretty much exactly uh, the thing I was talking about. And if you watch that film, you'll get exactly what you need, and then you no longer have the desire for Assassin's Creed to, to, to do that setting. Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean, and uh, The Man from Uncle is a pretty good film, as I remember. It's banging, mate. I, I'd forgotten it. Was, it, it. I hadn't seen it since it was out in the cinema, and uh, it's got my boy Henry Cavill in it, and I was just I was just in the mood for some Cav. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I pop, uh, popped it on, and I was like, oh yeah, Guy Ritchie directed this. Um... And you know he he he's done some stinkers recently, but uh, Man from Uncle is not one of them. I gotta say it's a it's a groovy movie, a groovy movie. Um, I have to say, just with you you talking about um, friend of the podcast Henry Cavill, um, I have been seriously jonesing for Witcher season two, big time. Even though like really, even though I kind of like gave it a bit of a kicking on the podcast, like I'm just, mm. I just find myself like, you know what? 
The bits that were good were just charming, and I want more of them. No, that's the thing. The bits that were good were really good. It's just there were, wasn't enough of them. Yeah. Anyway, but I do have uh, I have a little bit of a uh, vampire follow-up, which you might be interested oh, yes. to hear about. Um, uh, I'm pretty sure I haven't spoken to you about Daybreakers. Daybreakers? Uh, no, I don't think you have. Um, Daybreakers is a vampire film. And it's a modern mm-hmm. day vampire film. Um, hold on, I just I'm just gonna get the date. Um, you can you can cut this out. We're back in the game. Uh, yes. Yeah, so this is a 2010 film um, that completely passed me by 2010 modern day vampire film got very much pulling a lot from that sort of like blade era aesthetic Um, but it's one of these very strange films that it seems like all of the creative energy and all of the budget was completely front loaded into the first 15 minutes of the film and those first 15 minutes are brilliant the world building is great and um, they just have little subtle touches because just rough plot all of the world is vampire everyone got turned um, okay so um everyone sort of optionally uh there was governmental pushes that said you can optionally convert to a vampire or it's illegal to continue being a human that sort of thing so wow. mass uptake of being vampires and then the last blood is coming from humans that are harvested uh, in a sort of matrix style pod system and um, so that's that's your premise um but the first 15 minutes of world building to create this this world of a vampire society is just amazing it's full of little subtle touches like everyone smokes because mm-hmm. why wouldn't you smoke you know you're a vampire <laughs> yeah but then um, do you get anything out of smoking though uh, well, I, I don't know. I guess well, you can't get much out of eating eating food anymore. Um, yeah, so because guess... if you can't get much out of eating, then what's the nicotine going to do for you? If your only source of joy is blood, I mean, it'll look cool, I suppose. I think it's I think it's that it looks cool, and it's like got that sort of like very neo gothic aesthetic, and they've put in touches like all of the skyscrapers are linked together by um, big big sky bridges that are blocked out from the sun. And they all uh, I thought you were going to say like like bat trains or something. No. <laughs> like everyone has to you know go on like the bat metro. The bat like metro, but uh, yeah. So they've got those. Um, they've got like uh, it's called like the underwalk or something. But because obviously all of the infrastructure can't be based on streets anymore because then you can't yeah. use them for half of the day. Um, sure. So yeah, loads and loads and nice little touches like that. It's interesting. It filled me with intrigue. It was. It was. Uh, it had its hooks in me. And then, hmm. my God, does it drop off a cliff? It just devolves into an utter nonsense. Where um, Willem Dafoe's in it, and he's like, oh. he's some kind of like super cool car mechanic guy who is also kind of the vampire savior because he was driving his car really fast and then 
drove it into like a wall when it was sunny and he went underwater and then cured himself of being a vampire and then our protagonist right. meets meets up with them and they have this kind of like buddy adventure through America while they're hiding from the vampire society and there's this there's like side plots going on that are just completely meaningless and go nowhere it's my like, goodness it, yeah, it's just a disaster it's like a complete horror show um, yeah, sounds like a sounds like a riot. But what I would say is uh, just uh, just watch it for maybe don't even watch the full film, but watch it for the first fifteen minutes because it's it's pretty great. It does um, sound like an interesting premise. Yeah. Actually, you know what it feels like? It feels like a short film that someone was like, "Yeah, let's just keep making it," <laughs> and then they just couldn't. <laughs> they ran out. <laughs> or like pixels. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's just incredible. And like, so there's there's a section where they, they they've met up with a human resistance, and they're like, you know, they're cool vampire hunters. They use a bloody crossbows and stuff. But it's the budget. It, it seems so low that it's it's like a season one Buffy set. <laughs> okay, okay, man. Um, recommended for just. At that first fifteen minutes, but I thought I thought I'd throw a bone that you know to your your little vampire Jones and um, see if you're you're uh, okay. Yeah, st- throw, still a, up throw a little it. a little sack of blood <laughs> my way. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, just if we're if we're talking vampires, apparently, uh, what we do in the shadows season two is finished. Uh, like it's not as in it's finished wrapping. Like it was on air. It's on iPlayer, all on iPlayer now. So now's the time to catch up with what we do in the shadows, because uh, um, yeah, I've not seen any of the second season. I didn't even realize it was out. And then Mark Hamill tweeted, being like, "I'm in the final episode," and I was like, "Well, Mark Hamill's in it. I gotta gotta check it out." So you know, Mark Hamill does just seem like a fun guy. He's he seems like one of these dudes who's like, you know what? I made Star Wars. Now I'm gonna just just hang out. Mark Hamill can do no wrong in my in my eyes. Luke Skywalker, voice of the Joker. You know what, Mark? You just you got a lifetime exactly. award. Go chill out, man. It's cool. Right? Okay. Well, <coughs> excuse me. I just got. Jeez, oh, he's got. He's got, <coughs> he's got a virus. He's got a got virus. a little scooch of Corona. Fuck. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Um, just slowly immunizing myself. Oh my god! I don't think that's I'm, I'm turning right. turning into a vampire by drinking the blood of people with the virus. So uh, <laughs> I don't know if you can say that, dude. <laughs> I don't know if you can say that. Um, I mean, I mean, it's not true. <laughs> it's clearly an absurd thing to suggest that you're a vampire who's trying to immunize himself from the the pandemic by drinking the blood of sick people. I reckon that's 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 been. A plot for something, surely. Yeah, like surely. A vampire drinks someone's blood who's got a horrible disease, and then they get the disease. I don't know. That's what you get when you don't do your research. So, if you're a vampire, uh, adhere to social distancing and uh, only drink the blood of people who are in the same household as you, and uh, wash your hands after t- raiding the blood banks. Disinfect your teeth. Disinfect your teeth. Um, don't drink it. <laughs> don't drink it. Uh, and onwards to something that I have thoroughly not researched. Um, 
potential topic of the week, but was blocked by myself, Disco Elysium. So you're going to have to talk us through this, um, and I will ask interesting questions and put you on the spot. So please, take it away. Got totally snubbed for topic of the week, uh, and I assure you that won't be reflected in my topic of the week review at all. Uh, but i gotta got to let you know, I've been playing the shit out of a little game called Disco Elysium. Uh, which uh, won a whole bunch of uh, Game of the Year awards at the end of last year and went up on sale on Steam uh, a couple weeks ago. So I grabbed it because I was intrigued because everyone was telling me it's like an RPG, but not as you know it. Uh, there's There's no combat to speak of. It's like a detective story where all your stats go into different mental abilities, like deduction... Uh, logic, your like encyclopedic knowledge, uh, also like wh- how how easily you get hunches and things. Uh, so it's not there's no there's no combat. So everything's to do with like inside your head, and it's a very trippy, weirdly psychedelic game, which I did not like when I first played it. I was like, I don't see what all the fuss is about. I find that's the case with a lot of RPGs. I think especially when we played Divinity. Like, we played a good couple hours, and we were like, listen, we've clearly just done something wrong here and missed a whole bunch of shit. Let's go back and start again with what we know now. And that's what I did with Disco Elysium, and it's um, really got on its sweaty, psychedelic, drug-laden mitts uh, onto me. And uh, I've been, I've just been on a detective adventure for the past two weeks, trying to figure, trying to solve a murder, Robin. It's been quite exciting. That does sound exciting. Now, I, I like I like what you've said about it being non-combat driven. Um, now, <clears throat> what I would say is, whenever I've played sort of non-combat driven games, um, I, I don't know. I always feel like they just are missing something to some extent. Um, because I I guess the nature of design, game design, is to use a bit of combat as your sure. sort of as your basic game gameplay loop. Um, because I, I well, I don't know why, but it feels it's very engaging. And um, how does it get around that? Why is it so engaging without combat? Uh, well, the trouble with it, and the reason why I probably didn't engage much with it at first was maybe because there's no combat. Because there's probably a space of about an hour and a half at the beginning where. Like, I'd done no research on the game, so I didn't really know what the fuck I'm supposed to do, you know? Um, just, wa- just walk around this town and talk to people and try and find leads for the investigation. But that's what it's all about, really, is, like, following up leads and just being, like, a total Sherlock Holmes about it. And just following up every thread. You can, like, examine crime scenes and uh, base a lot, like, 50% of the... Um, of the dialogue is in your head so you're you'll be constantly having uh inner monologues with different part levels of your psyche no that's cool yeah the main character of the game uh suffered a insane psychotic episode like before the game starts so you wake up and the first dialogue in the game is yourself conversing with like your ancient reptilian brain coming back into consciousness and really describes the feeling of being unconscious and then like your limbic system wakes up is like wait no you your 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 arms and a leg your arms and legs and a head 
and you're and this head is painful it's screaming with pain and you can be like oh, okay i guess i'm waking up now and you wake up in a trashed hotel room with no memory of of your life beforehand so half the game is figuring out who you are and half the game is trying to solve this murder that you've been assigned to by your police precinct and um you can kind of go either super serious with it or super wacky with it um some of the tone of the game is quite bleak because it's set in a kind of you know half-life 2 styled mega city and the district that you're in is super run down and depressed and there's a there's like a there's like a strike on where the workers are trying to rise up against the against the corporation that's that runs their their little dockyard um so there's a lot of political strife going on every character in the game almost is racist to some degree which is really weird you have this really long conversation with this like advanced race theory uh conspiracy theorist all all uh just to get him to basically move out of the way so you can press a button but you have to go through this entire okay right fine tell me about your advanced race theory like and then you kind of have to subscribe to his theory of of eugenics before you can get him to do what you want and then you can back off from that afterwards but there's a lot like there's a real feeling of like racial tension and class divide in the game which i find really interesting um and especially as your your character is like a blank slate you can kind of do you can kind of play create the kind of character you want you can be like a really oppressive like fascist like cop or you can just be like a cool kind of like hippie cop who you know those are the two extremes you could be somewhere in the middle which is also fine but the game like your inner monologue tells you off if you don't like pick a side or if you're being like you'll get graded on how f- uh, fascistic or how liberal you are and how communistic or how um uh consumerist you are as well it's a very bizarre game that i've never quite i've not I've not seen these ideas expressed in a, video, in a video game before. It's just bizarre. Um, but I like it. It's good. As I say, the, the plot's intriguing enough that it keeps you going. Um, and, uh, yeah. You, you got any questions? I kind of ran out of steam <laughs> there. <laughs> um, I, was just, I, I was just listening away. Um, Let me see what my notes say. It's... Uh... It does just seem like a very interesting concept for a game. The one thing that's immediately popped into my head is I I've always had a bit of a problem with um, binary. Although you said there was four aspects, but that kind of binary system of choose fascist or choose hippie, and if mm. you uh, if you choose middle, then you'll be penalised for it. Like this is this is the whole Mass Effect issue. You chose either sure. Paragon or Renegade, and if you're Paragon, you you always have to be good, and if you're the and you're the goodest of good, and if you're Renegade, you have to like I don't know punch reporters in the face for basically no reason, um, and if you don't subscribe to e- either of these wholeheartedly, then it fundamentally affects your game in a negative way. Um, uh, yeah, it hasn't see it hasn't really affected my game so far. Like it is quite forgiving. It's not. Those are the two extremes, but you don't have to adhere to those extremes. Like you know, you can you can bump back and forth as much as you want. Um, I think, but yeah, it's 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 fairly liberal, uh, you know, with with where you can take your character. 
that's good yeah I'd like, to see, I'd like to see how the game progresses for you um, I imagine it's quite a big title uh, yeah it's it's pretty long I've been playing for about I've uh, been playing for about 27 hours so far and I think I'm probably about halfway through um, that's really kind of just taking my time trying to you know close up every lead so I don't miss anything because um, you know you get inve- you get invested in the case and you want to solve it you want to figure out who's who's murdered this person um, and when you when you come to a break like there was a massive lull where I hadn't made a breakthrough for ages and I was close to giving up on it and then you just it's often the case where you just like oh I for- didn't talk to this person and then all of a sudden they've got all the information you're like oh cool make this huge breakthrough it's really exciting um, so yeah it, it's good um, the dialogue the way it's written is really like obtuse though which is another reason why it took me so long to get into it it's like it's almost like felt like I was reading beat poetry whilst at the same time Jesus trying, to, trying to get through the Silmarillion it's, 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 like, it's like Jack Kerouac had written Lord of the Rings or something you know <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah it's it's it, it's writing that I've not encountered in a video game before which is really cool like it does a lot of things that are new to me you know um which I'm, which I'm liking. It's really challenging my perspective of what a, of what an RPG can be. You know, it doesn't have to be uh, wizards on a grand adventure, like, slinging spells at each other. Like, this is just like you're a hungover detective who's washed up, who's a washed up alcoholic, kind of psychologically unstable, just to <laughs> solve a murder case. Um I- I mean, that strongly. Ha- I strongly relate to that. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I me. did. I told you. I think you'd really like this game, but it wasn't for that reason. I just figured it was a really interesting take on the genre. Um, <laughs> but it's it's so it's so it's so good. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, a couple bad. One thing I'd say against it is that the soundtrack is almost non-existent, and when it is there, it's not very exciting. Um, and Uh-oh. for me, in terms of playing video games, I think su- soundtrack is like a massive aspect for me. I just really like music that really puts you in the world, but it's it's quite repetitive and a bit sort of cold. I want to say cold, bleak, which I think is the theme that the composer's trying to put across. But it's just it's just not really landing for me, you know. It it seems like the kind of from what you've described so far, it could really get a, a I mean a, a banging soundtrack could fit that theme. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because you think of Half Life Two, the type of soundtrack that had was really you know uh, almost quite technoy, uh, which was really good. that kind of fit the fast paced action of it. Um, but a few episodes ago, I spoke about um, uh, Death Stranding. And the yeah, soundtrack yeah, yeah. for that was just all one artist that Hideo Kojima just really liked. And his music really fit the aesthetic of the game. And I think the creator of the game does seem to be really big into this artist because the, the soundtrack is available to buy when you go to the game's website. So the guy seems mm. to be really, really up on the soundtrack. But I don't know, it's just not my, just not, it's just not why I, what I like in a game uh, in terms of music. But um, you know, that's it's that's one aspect that doesn't dampen the overall experience for me. You know. Well, I mean, 
I, I don't have any more to contribute because I haven't played it, but um, I really think you've given a great overlook of the game, and you mm. have... I mean, I suppose it, the only way for me to know would be to play it, but I would like to know how the mechanics feel, how it feels yeah. to execute these things. Because what I've found in sort of narrative-driven games, and I mean, I'm kind of categorizing this as a narrative-driven game from what I've what you've told me. Yeah, yeah, that would be accurate, I think. It doesn't, when I've played them, it just doesn't feel like there's actually that visceral, meaty mechanics there that... Sure. That I really enjoy, um, but then again, if it's compelling enough, I, I would I would be be on board. I mean, I I've read a lot, so so <laughs> narrative is clearly something I enjoy. Yeah, well, that's another thing. This game does really feel like you're just sitting down to read like a detective novel because it mm. is there's not really any because you know opposite to Divinity Original Sin two, where every single line of dialogue is superbly voice acted you'll have like a character's introduction in this where their first couple lines of dialogue are are uh, voice acted um and then it just goes into just quiet and you're just reading through dialogue and it does feel at times like you're just reading like a very dense novel or an encyclopedia of this like alternate <coughs> of this alternate history earth um because it is just set in an alternate earth like the entire world's history has been built from the ground up, and you can learn it all. You can just sit and read encyclopedias of this of this uh, universe if, if you if you so desire. Wow. Um, which sometimes you need to if you want to make <laughs> make some kind of fantastic <laughs> breakthrough on the case. Uh, but it's interesting enough that I've been you know kept on to it. Um, but yeah, um, well, tell you like tell you what like. It, I would very much recommend it. I think you would enjoy it. Um, I'm looking on Steam just now, and it doesn't have that option for I think it's like crossplay or something like Divinity has, where I can just like basically give you it to play if I'm not playing it. But um, I don't know if you want to jump onto Discord, I can like play the first wee bit of it and kind of show you how it all works once we're once we're wrapped up here. Cheeky little playthrough. Yeah, I mean maybe not tonight, but that's certainly an option. Um, maybe we should start a let's play series. That'd yeah, maybe a wee let's a let's play. And I could just criticize every action you make, every poor decision it. I make. Yeah, uh, the game actually encourages you to make like really poor decisions as well, because there's some things that you will just fail at spectacularly. But the game gives you a really rewarding outcome for doing that. Like it just takes the story in a completely mm. different direction, uh, which is quite nice. So I you actually can, you know, think that's I think that's a good thing because a quote I've probably said about a hundred times on this podcast um, is I can't even remember who it's by um, Soren Johnson who is what um, who's he with at the moment he, Mohawk Games but he's of Civilization f- fame basically oh, anyway. Yeah. Um, but he, he he a quote from him is given the opportunity players will optimize the fun out of a game, and um, I really f- I feel that when you do failure states like that badly, then it, all it means is that people will just replay and replay and replay until they get the answer they want. Yeah. But making a bad decision compelling is I mean that's difficult to land. So to hear that they've done that quite well is. Uh, 
it, I mean, it's promising. It's promising. Mm. Well, because the failures all tie into the idea that you're like that you're past it as a detective. Like your best years are behind you. So if you try and do something like one of the very first decisions in the game you, you can make is whether or not to pay for damages in your hotel room, and uh, you can just run away and uh you know and just not pay the damages and if you succeed then you'll run out the door and the guy's like oh very mature man thanks for that but if you fail like you'll crash into like this old lady who's in a wheelchair and the guy will come over to you and be like oh my god are you okay it's like yeah i'm fine i just a just a little just a little tumble it's like oh here man don't worry about it just pay me a little less so it still kind of pays off in that respect you know and you still come across as just an idiot cop you know <laughs> <laughs> right so wow disco elysium that's a that's a hell of a topic it's almost that's like a it recommend been, from me should have been topic of the week this week poetry corner we're just trying a new thing where we do poems about <laughs> the post-apocalypse a world we once knew and a world we once loved just let oh your mind God. go, man. Just, 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 just don't even think. Just start reeling, free reeling, free reeling, and free feeling, man. Just get on it. <laughs> Mutants. You see them in the waste, the waste that was where we lived. The mutants that we see, that we live with, that we love, were once our loved ones. But, what if, now, we can view it, that the mutants are the ones that we love. One love from the wasteland. One love to the mutants. One love in this wasteland together. Whether you be gargoyle, mutant, human, or warlord beefsteak. Brought to you by warlord beefsteak. (laughs) You sell out! You sold out! (laughs) You sold out Poetry Corner! I can't believe you betray us like that! Let's uh, let's let's uh, let's wind that up and dive into uh, our boy Snyder, who I have some conflicting feelings about. But you've put Justice League Snyder cut in the docket. Do you want yeah, to give man. a brief overview of what's going on here? I want to preface this by saying I've only seen Man of Steel. That is the only Zack Snyder DC movie I've watched. So I believe that when Justice League originally came out there was a lot of drama around it not being Zack Snyder's original intention I think he had to leave the production because um, his daughter was very ill which is a which is a great shame that shouldn't be like uh, you know that shouldn't be something people get angry over but uh, he left the production for personal reasons and then whoever took over from him smashed the film together in a way that wasn't his original vision so when the film underperformed, everyone was like, this would never have happened if you'd released a Snyder cut. Um, and the old cynical patch here was like, well, t- maybe it just was a shit film to begin with. <laughs> so, any hoozles. Uh, the Justice League actors, um, you know, Jason Momoa, Henry Cavill, Ben Affleck, uh, they all tweeted saying, the Snyder cut's coming in 2021. Warner Brothers are teaming up with HBO to release the Snyder Cut uh, on HBO Max. Uh, so finally we'll all get to see whether, you know, it was maybe just a bit of a crap film to begin with or maybe we really missed out on some genius. Um, 
Uh, did you see Justice League or was it Batman versus Superman you saw? I saw both. I saw Justice League, Batman versus Superman, Man of Steel, uh, Wonder Woman. I've seen them all. So what do you? So what? So what's your thoughts then, given the Snyder cut? Um. Well, Snyder. Um. Because so <laughs> Snyder. Much, Snyder. And because so much of Snyder's filmmaking is so strongly aesthetic, it's sure. so much about having striking visuals. And so much of landing striking visuals um, is about doing things in a very tight order um, and making them as impactful as possible. So, I mean, I suppose a lot a lot of the criticism that Justice League got was that it was fairly superfluous and it was a bit silly and it didn't really tonally work. Mm-hmm. But when you think about something like 300, for example, which is pretty commonly regarded as a pretty great film... Yeah, remembered um, fondly by a lot of people, I think. If if 300 wasn't as visually stunning, it would just be viewed as some dumb swords and sandals film that attempted to be more artistic than it actually was. Sure, but sure. Because because Snyder uh, m- nailed that visual style, it, it, it's remembered fondly. And so I think there is a chance that um, Snyder's cut could make that difference, but I also feel that the well's been poisoned. You know, yeah, people won't be able to see past what made Justice League bad because that's not what they saw, and they'll sort of be trying to retrospectively amend their initial opinion. Um, so I don't know. I will watch it actually because I'm in. I'm I'm interested in the differences, and I'll probably watch YouTube videos talking about side by sides. Oh yeah, yeah um, there's going to be a ton of those. But um, I, I, I'd be interested to see how it turns out. Um, so yeah, one to watch definitely. Yeah, one to keep an eye out for. I just wanted to say on the uh, on the three hundred front, uh, Zack Snyder did have a very solid storyboard to work from in the form of um, uh, Frank Miller's original uh, comic series comic book. For 300 like that was very visually stunning and he just basically put those pages on the screen which is why i think it works so well that is a very good point and uh it's not to understate that like um snyder had a lot of material to work with Mm -hmm. but you know i imagine that justice league was fairly well storyboarded and there was so much material to draw from i would find it amazing i find it unbelievable if uh, the storyboarders um, for the for the development of the film couldn't pull the same sort of amazing imagery that was pulled for three hundred from the entire back catalogue of Justice League material. I mean that that is very true. Actually, it's not like there there's not it's not like there's a, it's not like there isn't seventy years worth of Superman comics to look back on for fantastic imagery. So no, I suppose you're right. Uh, well, we'll see. Time will tell. I just thought it may be an interesting thing to bring up because we've we, we've bashed some DC stuff in the past. We've we've spoken lovingly about other DC things in the past. I just thought it would be a nice little uh, little check up, see how that that's all doing. You know. Speaking of of things, loving things um, from from the DC universe, mm-hmm. you popped this one in the docket. You snuck it in there. And I had <laughs> last no minute. Oh man, I had no idea this existed. But as I've probably gushed about on this podcast maybe a thousand times, Superman Red Sun is my favorite comic by a mile. 
Cool. Um, and you have just pointed out that DC animated movies have uh, have made it. Our it's, old favorite. It exists. Yeah, it does. It exists. I think it's been planned for a while, and I I think I heard about it a little while ago, but I to- just totally forgot. Um, because yeah, we we like to talk about the DC animated uh cinematic universe in this podcast because that is incredible. This is a really good backlog of films. If you're looking for some comic, some DC comic stuff, you know, you've got Under the Red Hood, uh, you have um, Flashpoint Paradox, Flashpoint man. Paradox as well. Thank you very much. Um, and just tons. Uh, Justice League Dark, which is a bit more goofy, but you know that's there. Uh, I still they, haven't watched Justice League Dark actually. It's it's good. Uh, the Dark Knight Rises as well. The the two parter they they did of that was really good. Um, mm. A few a few stinkers. Uh, but you know that's it can't all be winners, you know. Um, so just to just to recap for uh, the fans at home, <laughs> the, the listeners are fit are 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 mums. My mum doesn't even listen to this. My mum doesn't listen to it. Um, Superman Red Sun is the retelling of Superman, where the basic premise is instead of his his uh, escape ship pod smashing down in Kansas, it smashes down in uh, the USSR, mm-hmm. um, Siberia, I believe. I don't know. I can't quite remember, but somewhere. Um, so that's the difference. And very quickly, the um, CCP um, discover. Oh no, not the CCP. The the Russian Communist Party um, discover um, this super child and then raise him as a paragon of communist might. Mm-hmm. And obviously this makes huge changes to the um, the events and future comics and how the characters turn out and huge changes in geopolitics. But um, it's just just a wonderful retelling because so much of Superman... Maybe maybe less so now, but initial like Golden Age and Silver Age Superman was about you know him being this just um, idol of uh, you know uh, American um, dominance and American uh, the American hero. He's a he's a genius. Yeah. He's he's strong. He fights for what's right. Um, all 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 that jazz. All of the the stuff. You know, democracy. Yeah, and, all that. and in this, he um, still does that, but for the Communist Party, you know. Um, yeah, so it's it's just it's a very different slant on things, and I I love it. And also, the art in the in the comic is sort of inspired by uh, Communist Party propaganda, which mm-hmm. oh, I just just chef's kiss, love it. <laughs> very um, good. So, talk me through uh, the animated adaptation. Have you have you seen it? Have you seen trailers for it? Yeah, I watched it. I uh, I was out uh, my weekly shop for essentials at the big Tesco down the road, uh, <laughs> and I just uh, I wandered by the DVD aisle just just on a whim. I haven't bought a DVD for for probably about a year now, but just something something was dragging was something was calling me from the from the DVD aisle, and there sitting at new releases for ten ninety nine was a Blu-ray of Superman Red Sun, and I thought, shit, man, <laughs> it's here. <laughs> it's here, it's landed. Yeah, um, like, a, like a little baby crash-landing from outer space, just in the middle of a, in the middle of a Tesco metro, 
<laughs> it was there. So I picked, a, a, I scooped it up, chucked it in my basket, and uh, went about my my, you know, my toilet paper scavenging business. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, I, 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 I've watched it. It's very good. I have not read the original comic book it's based on, uh, but I heard you 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 gush about it all the time. You love it, and I figured this will be good. This will be good to talk about on the show. Um, so, yes, the adaptation. Uh, I like it. I can't speak as far as it being a direct adaptation because I don't know how much it changes from the original uh, comic. Because I know a lot of the time these animated adaptions do change some narrative points. So yes, uh, Superman, as you said, uh, grows up in the Soviet Union. And this kind of chronicles his life uh, and also the life of the Soviet Union from uh, 1945 right through to the late 80s. Uh, kind of keeps picking up at different uh, in different decades to see what Superman's up to, as the you know the Iron Curtain is built and then and then knocked down. Um, I don't know really if it's as I said the narrative beats might be a bit different. He very quickly discovers that gulags exist and he goes to Stalin and he says, "Listen, bro, what's up with these with these uh, gulags?" He says, "Superman, you don't understand. This is necessary for the good of the state." And he says, "Not on my watch." And he kills Stalin, and then he becomes the leader of the of the of the Communist Party. Is that kind of what happens in in um, the comic? I'm fairly sure that doesn't happen. Oh, really? I see. So this might this might take a big old sidestep from where the from where the comic uh, goes. Um, it's interesting. I've always maintained that Superman is more interesting as a villain because as a good guy, he can do basically anything there's no stakes whatsoever but when he's a villain the stakes have never been higher because he can do anything how do you how do you stand up to something like that but uh throughout it all he's he's got a good heart he's just trying to do the right thing you know and um like all great villains he believes he's the good guy uh it's good you know it's got that uniform art style that all the DC animated movies has so Mm -hmm. you know the the art style from the comics that you really like is probably won't be reflected in the in the in the animation um but yeah it's good as you said he you know he uh forms an alliance with Wonder Woman and the Amazons for a while uh Lex Luthor is the president of the United States for a long time and he's married to Lois Lane so it's a lot of alternate versions of the DC universe, as you said. It's a really good alternate take, you know, on American history, world history, should I say, and uh, the DC universe. So check it out if you want a good comic book or a good Blu-ray DVD, you know, while you're out buying some some chicken. <laughs> check it out. Uh, yeah, you know, I I like I liked it. It's really good. I think I'm gonna read the book at some point, you know. I'd recommend the book, and I will. I'll check out this animated adaption because, uh, again, I really like Flashpoint Paradox. I really think yeah. this. There's. I really think there's some good stuff in DC animated movies. So, yeah, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll give that a test drive. See how it goes. Mm-hmm. They're working on. Uh, I was going through the Blu-ray extras. This is something actually. I'll come, I'll put a pen in extras. Uh, they're working on um, the Gotham by Gaslight adaption. Uh, so Gotham by Gaslight is Mike Mignola 
doing like a Victorian take on Batman where he has to hunt down Jack the Ripper and it's all oh, steampunk so and, and steampunk and spooky and all in the shadows and stuff. It looks cool. So they're adapting that. But yes, I found this on a DVD extra, which is one thing I really miss from this uh, you know, dystopian future of streaming sites and uh, you know, you don't get where are the extras? I, That's I, true. You know, I, I think it, it couldn't cost any more or less for Netflix and Disney Plus and Amazon Prime just to with the uh, when you look up a a box set of something or a film that they've released, just have like some extras, man. I love DVD extras. I miss them. It's, they're they're <laughs> from a bygone age. They are a bygone era, man. Um, yeah. DVD extras. I haven't even thought about them in years. A DVD commentary. I want you know. Imagine if we'd like watched. I don't know, I just think anything. Like, imagine the, the DVD extras of, like, say, Stranger Things. You know, a season of Stranger Things. All the cool, like, production stuff that went in the background and the interviews with the cast. That'd yeah. be cool, you know? I just... I think streaming sites are definitely missing a trick. And I think it probably will come one day where they're, like, and now announcing a brand new idea from the geniuses of <laughs> Netflix. Some extras. It's like... They'll trick, they'll trick younger people who don't remember that DVD extras used to be a thing. You know? That is a speculation and a half, but it would be so easy for them to implement. I, I can't see why not. So easy. I think I th- um, you know I think Disney Plus are kind of doing it a little bit. They have like TV series which are like behind the scenes of some of your favorite films, and that's kind of like DVD extras, but it's it's just not the same. You know, it's just not the same. I want just an Arnold Schwarzenegger commentary track. I've, I saw that one. This is a wonderful scene uh, where I uh, come up to Mars as an old lady, as a fat old lady. Watch this. Yeah, here's the making of the sword. This whole movie has to do with that. Then she separates her neck. And here's the guy that buys me now. Then I break his arm. Right. Just the pounding him with the head and yeah. then breaking his head. Now I'm enjoying it already. There's certain things we can't do the women on the screen. But because we established very quickly that it is a machine underneath, not a woman, we therefore got away with much more and therefore we, we expanded the fight sequence and I wipe her out, the female Terminator. Could totally mow her into the ground, just just totally destroy her. He's yeah. because um, he used him as well, a human shield. Exactly. <laughs> what else is he going to do under the circumstances? Shall we discuss? That marble week, wall was a thick, two-inch thick marble short, that I punched so through with ease. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, Jet Lancer. So, Jet Lancer is a game that was recently released by Armor Games. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one popped up. Uh, a streamer that I uh, am a fan of, he, he gave it a go. Um, and it immediately it immediately attracted me because I've always always liked the sort of um, I've liked old school shoot 'em up games. I've always been interested in that sort of like you know super advanced avion- avionics stuff where you fly a cool jet fighter. Just mm-hmm. it's it's always been a thing I've enjoyed. 
Um, and it's sort of a spiritual successor in many ways to the 2014 game Luftrousers by Devolver Digital. Sure. Um, Devolver Digital, if you don't know, make fabulous games. They really uh, do. They're really, really good. Their most famous ones probably enter the Gungeon, um, but in general, Devolver games are just well-made and mechanically solid. Aye. To be honest, if you have if you have a PC with Steam on it, you've probably got a Devolver Digital game <laughs> on your yeah. in your library somewhere. I think I've yeah, like, just... I think everyone has Luftrausers in their library. I had I have it for free. I just didn't even realize it's one of those games I didn't know I had. Just it's yeah. there. I, I mean, and they're like constantly doing crazy sales. I don't know how they make any money. <laughs> <laughs> just because they're good, they make solid good games. Uh, but this game was not made by Devolver Digital. Uh, so, you know, take what you want from that. <laughs> now, uh, where I would go is the fact that Luftrausers was a great game, but it wasn't uh, expansive. Um, the basis, the main mechanic, is that you fly a plane that's affected by gravity. You have you can't go too high in the sky, and mm-hmm. there's water at the bottom. Sure. You only move or gain height when you're pressing the go button. Um, the, the the engine, whatever you want to call it. And as soon as you let go of that, gravity starts to take effect and you're pulled down. Um, it's got a very good sense of momentum um, and you can make small, t- you can make tweaks to your, your plane to change the guns you use, to change the engine you use, um, which changes the the gameplay and the mechanics slightly and it's a wave based game so you continue to play as more and more waves of enemies attack you and then you can spend uh, your score on upgrades for your your uh, plane or i believe you can do unlocks for yeah for i think you unlock things over the over the series of levels um but this uh, as i say it was all mechanics no plot um, basically, so Jet Lancer is almost uh, is almost a spiritual successor to that. So it's it's using similar mechanics, so similar mechanically, but it sort of fleshes it out into a um, more narrative uh, with fleshes it out with narrative, and it's a sort of JRPG theme, sort of N sixty four era um, shoot 'em up with mm. with those mechanics involved. And uh, I, I, uh, I really enjoyed it. I had a good time with it. Well, yeah. I, I'm feeling, I'm feeling that Patch is going to put this on blast. So, um, let's 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 hear what you have to say. I'm not going to put it on blast. I have a few. I don't think I. It's not the it's not the type of game I usually go for. Uh, just which, in many ways, makes it a good thing for us to talk about because you know I'm expanding my horizons. Uh, video game wise uh yeah uh sort of the like shoot 'em ups and bullet hell style games i've no i've never really been a huge fan of because i just feel like there's no skill to them you just point in a direction and hold down a to shoot until everything's gone uh and every level is just that but only more um but this like it looks pretty i like it the the the, the soundtrack is nice the the art design's really cool. I like some of the bosses in it. The narrative. I mean, I've not played too much of it. Uh, I know it's like you're you're just a renegade pilot against some sky pirates and stuff, which is cool, you know. But I think it's it's very like 
I thought it was very bare bones. Uh, there's a talking cat in there, which you know I, I just I don't like. <laughs> I don't like it. Um, but the the game itself is is cool. I guess it's just not my not my not really my cup of tea. You know what I mean? Honestly, it's just not like it's, it's too it's. When I say it's fleshed out by more narrative, it's more in the sense that Luftrausers had a narrative of zero. Sure. <laughs> Jet, okay, yeah, Jet yeah, yeah, Lancer yeah, yeah. has at least some narrative to drag drag the progression through uh, rather than go. just uh, unlocks over time. Uh, please go on. Uh, yes. So, I don't know, man. I feel like the it's one of those things where I just find it frustrating where you kind of just beat the levels by either luck or just eventually or just by like the or just by holding as I say holding one button down until everything's disappeared and then when you if you do get shot down eventually it's just some crap that came out of nowhere that you didn't even see because there's often a lot there's a lot going on on the screen that you just have to kind of dodge constantly so so if you're not holding down a then you can't then you're like oh I'm playing this on the switch by the way this is another we've got like a little cross-platform review because I assume you're playing it on on your mac right yeah, 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 yeah. So I bought it on the Switch because why? Why wouldn't I? I, I love, I love that little son of a bitch. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good console. Uh, any excuse to buy a game on the Switch, I'll, I'll do it. Um, but yeah, man, I don't know. I'm just not feeling it. I think I'm gonna play more. I haven't really, didn't really have time to really get my, uh, my hooks into it. You know, uh, before recording, I played, I played it for a bit of last night and some of of it on Sunday as well. A couple of days ago, so like maybe I'll maybe I'll just get used to it, man. But it's not; it's just not a type of game that I'm accustomed to, if you know what I mean. Um, well, as opposed y- to something like, yeah. No, no, please go on. Uh, just as opposed to something like Disco Elysium, where it's like a it's a very heavily narrative driven game, and I'm like exploring and taking my time and really taking in the elements and really admiring the world around me where this where it's just like oh my god there's things coming from everywhere and trying to explode me and you just hold that just just hold down the button and wait until everything's dead and then you can finally move on and you'll get a little letter <laughs> you know congratulating you on doing well um but like everything around that the way the i'd say the 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 coat of paint that this has on it compared to other uh shoot 'em ups that i've seen is nice it's a nice game to look at uh, and unlike Disco Elysium, it's a nice game to listen to. It's got a good soundtrack, um, and it looks nice. But it just—I don't know. I can't. Maybe I'm too. Maybe I'm old. <laughs> maybe well, I'm I too old. Know. I think it's. Uh, I don't know. It's. It's a different thing because obviously I like you know big swathing games that you know take ages and you get lost in. But mm. increasingly, as a result of you know having responsibilities and different things that are all over the place uh, at different times and the way my schedule works mm. it doesn't i don't really have those moments where i can just really get stuck into a game and and dig into it the last time i was able to do that was was uh, divinity 2 and I th- that was only really as a result of the weird um hiatus per- limbo period after the outbreak of the lockdown 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 mm. period and I could play Divinity 2 with you for a lot. But but now that things have sort of got back into regular beats and my schedule's back to its insanity, 
Um, it's pushed me more and more towards either tiny art house games, yeah. which you know everyone knows about. Well, everyone, you and I, know uh, about Robin's Indie Darlings. I like yeah. I love a little little short, intensely narrative game. But I also really love like a short, intense bust of just pure mechanical joy. Sure. Um. So so it, it hits that spot, fills that niche. It's good. That makes a lot of sense. You're so right about the um the aesthetics. The game is, and the aesthetics match the music. Yes. It's like, uh, it, it's just very very good. It's like a very good art style. Very good. Uh, very good musical direction. And I do think there is a level of vapidity there, but you know what? Sometimes you want a bit of that. I think so. Yeah, I mean that makes sense to me. And like I say, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep playing it after we've reviewed it because uh, I, I I do think I want to get better at it. But it's just I find it's one of those games where I'm not really used to the mechanics and I'm not good at it straight away. Therefore, I find it frustrating and. Um, and yeah, so I'll just I'll just rage quit it from time to time, just like if I get sh- if like some bullshit like all of a sudden as you're playing, there's planes that can just like fly directly into you uh, and do you damage rather than just shooting you. And I didn't realize that was a mechanic until like I got taken out by one of these planes, and I was like, what? What's this? What? There's kamikaze planes now, and I feel like the collision of you can't so obviously it makes sense that you can dodge bullets like you need to move out of the way of missiles and bullets and stuff but the fact that you need to move out of the way of incoming planes as well just makes it all the more frustrating like it'd be good if you could cross paths with planes rather than just smashing into them and like damaging your your little ship because i feel like in the logic of the game world you would be able to just move out of the way of planes but I don't know. I, just, I do. I do agree. That is something that I have found frustrating. There's a level of there's a there's a definite level of bullshit to some of the mechanics that <laughs> make me very angry. But I think it's probably. <clears throat> I think mostly it's stuff that I can just get used to if I play it more. Um, although, I'll say this: I've been playing it on the Switch in handheld mode with those tiny little Joy-Con controllers, and uh, maybe if I just sit it on the TV and get the Pro controller out. Um, I might have a, I might have a different experience. So you know, why on earth have you been playing a game like that with Joy Cons? You, you maniac! Because <laughs> I don't know, I don't know any better, you and I can play animal. it in bed what before I go to sleep. You? Um, hey man, don't why don't, you hate don't yourself? put me on blast just because a game's poorly designed. Come on, <laughs> what? Don't put you on blast because a game's not optimized for bloody. Tiny pieces of plastic that aren't built for human hands. I mean, the the, the Joy Cons aren't that bad, alright? I can play plenty of other plenty of other games with them, but um, you well, know, Animal Crossing. <laughs> Got him. I mean, I don't play Animal Crossing yet. You fucking idiot! Idiot! Listen, if we're gonna fall out over Jet Lancer, then you know <laughs> this podcast's over. <laughs> I'm not gonna fall out over Jet Lancer. <laughs> <laughs> we've never actually had a big fight over something so you know that's still that's still in the bank that's still I, in the the lore of the podcast i think it's rare that we have a topic where we both have different opinions on it which is mm-hmm. good and it's healthy it's nice to have different opinions on things you know mm-hmm. i agree it makes for a more interesting conversation 
rather than us just uh, both gushing about something, uh, you know. Well, that's uh, that feels like a natural end point to our discussion, our short discussion about Jet Lancer. But to be honest, the game that's focused on intense short mechanics, it's probably good that we had an intense short conversation about it. Um, so this has been the Don't Go Outside podcast with Robin and Patch, the and man me. of the year. <laughs> the man of the year. <laughs> so the, what's the, what am I even saying? Well, the man of the year. <laughs> don't know. That's me. I don't know where that came from. 16 um, years we, running, man of the year. That's this guy. Say, uh, that's, uh, that's him. Uh, and we've discussed Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, Disco Elysium, Justice League, Superman Red Sun, and Jet Lancer. Thank you for joining us this long. Robin, 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 hold yeah. up. Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa. For fuck's sake, what are you thinking? <laughs> Would you go outside for Jet Lancer, yes or no? <laughs> oh my good God. It's the whole crux um, of this podcast. I'm sorry. You, you the podcast named "Don't Go Outside." We have a feature at the end of all our topics of the <laughs> topics of the week, whether or not we would go outside for our for our uh, for our chosen piece of media that we talk about, and you just blasted right through it. They're just, just uh, we're just like any other podcast, <laughs> any other Look, old Patch, silly old podcast. You asked me to bring the energy today, and I fucking brought it. I brought I it in space. Listen. Listen, I let less less haste, more speed, or the other way around, <laughs> whatever, whichever way that goes. Right. Okay. You did take it away. Take away the outro then. Well, Robin, would you indeed go outside for Jet Lancer? Would you? Would you brave the our hellish, uh, our hellish uh, sunny May weather, <laughs> and stay two feet apart from everyone and have a lovely day in the park? with Jet Lancer, or would you in fact stay indoors and not go outside and leave Jet Lancer sitting alone on a park bench somewhere? You know what? I'd, I'd go outside. I'd get stuck into Jet Lancer. I'd do it again. I'd do it gladly. Good. Well, uh, I would not... I don't... Well, I don't think I would go outside for Jet Lancer. Um, I'm glad uh, you brought it to my attention, because I got to play something a little bit different. But um, it's not not my not my cup of tea. I'm afraid not my kind of thing. Uh, fast paced, shoot 'em up, bullet bullet hell kind of games. Give me a good old detective novel like uh, Disco Elysium any day. I'll uh, just sit by the fire with the windows closed while it's twenty degrees outside, <laughs> <laughs> with my slippers on and a pipe and just. <laughs> solve a grisly murder in a in a dystopian future uh just like we used to do in this podcast before the before the real end times began because <laughs> <laughs> so. if you're a new listener to this podcast because you never know it could happen um usually we're 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 based enough in, in a false in a falsehood a made-up universe where the where every single apocalypse has happened and we're hidden in a bunker but now we don't have to pretend because the end of the world's happening, baby. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to stay indoors and uh, play Disco Elysium instead. Of uh, I'm going to leave, going to leave Jet Lancer on a park bench for uh, for someone to someone else to play with. <laughs> Probably me. Probably you. And enjoy. Well. <laughs> well, everyone. Cold clothes there. Fuck you. Yeah. Bye. No. 
Well, everyone, <laughs> like we always say at the end of the Don't Go Outside podcast, we advise you uh, to not go outside because don't... there are thousands of tiny fighter jets spitting little bullets at you and it just really fucking hurts. Can you imagine that? <laughs> lots of th- Imagine living in a bullet hell where it's just lots of <laughs> tiny little fighter jets like shooting needles at you. Oh man, that that'd suck. So don't Sounds go outside. awful. <laughs> that's why I don't play these games because they just make me imagine a reality where that's possible. And it scares me and I don't like it. <laughs> there you go. That's a podcast. Do you have a don't go outside or should that be the one? And as always, guys, don't go outside or you might get lanced by a chair. Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds sexual. Get lanced! <laughs> Get, get lanced. <laughs>